Detailed news, unparalleled coverage. City News on 97.3 FM. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with... Hawa Idrisu Mustafa. And coming up over the next 90 minutes. Eyes 138. Nose 136. Absent one. After so much back and forth, minority suffers embarrassing defeat after failing to gather enough numbers in the House of Parliament to prevent the passage of the 2024 budget. So, was all the comments and commentary and protests by the NDC a much ado about nothing? We'll be hearing from the leadership tonight on Eyewitness News. Also coming up. Government suspends the laying of the airline that will restrict the importation of some selected goods. We'll be hearing from the Trade Ministry on what the next plan is. And later on Eyewitness News, we take you to Sancho Kofi, Akpafu, Lolobi and Likpe, known as Sao. They have a new district now after the maturity of their CI. They are supposed to take part in the district level elections. But the protest is that they are yet to even file nominations. They need to be given time before they engage in the elections. We'll be hearing from some opinion leaders from there. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business... Bank of Ghana entreats exporters to be proactive with letters of commitment. Thus, as um, in 50 minutes from the City Business Desk, Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a host of affiliate stations, including in the Northeast region on SCAP 101.3 FM in Nakpanduri, Source 100.1 FM in Boko in the Upper East region, on Westlink 88.1 FM in Laura in the Upper West region, on Diamond 93.7 FM in Tamale, that's in the Northern region. In the Volta region on Global 105.1 FM in Ho and Adanu 107.7 FM in Adakluwaya. In Ashanti region on Alpha Radio 104.9 in Kumasi and Orange 107.9 FM also in Kumasi. In Ahafo we are on Hames 106.5 FM in Gorso. In Bono region on Greener 95.9 FM in Sunyani. If you go to the Western region we are live on Premier 100.5 FM in Takradi. Sky Power 93.5 FM in Takradi and Beach 105.5 FM in Takradi. We are live on YouTube, we are live on Facebook, we are live on citynewsroom.com and we are interactive. Join us on WhatsApp 0549-986-996, 0549-986-996. We settle for details of our stories now and the first one is in Parliament. 
Now, the House has finally approved the 2024 budget despite the opposition from the minority. After the headcount, the majority caucus had 138 votes, while the minority caucus had 136 votes. The Speaker of Parliament, Alban Bagbin, on Wednesday, November 20. November 29 declared a voice vote on the approval of the budget in favor of the majority after the conclusion of the debate. However, the minority caucus challenged the ruling and opted for a head count, forcing the majority group to stage a walkout. Here is the Speaker of Parliament, Alban Bakbin, declaring the result after the head count today. Of the head counts. <laughs> Eyes one hundred and thirty eight nose one hundred and thirty six absent one honorable members, the eyes. Have it. Honorable members, this house has accordingly approved the budget statement and economic policy of the government for the year ending 31st December 2024. As a Speaker of Parliament, Alban Bagbin. Let's speak to the minority side in Parliament. Honorable Ahmed Ibrahim is first deputy minority Chief Women MP for Banda. Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you, my brother. You sounded so confident, but when it came to it, you, the ones who were making so much noise, could not even marshal all your numbers into the house, and you lost. I mean, what was that about? Why waste everybody's Omar, time? Let me say a very good evening to your cherished listeners. It's unfortunate you started by saying we could not marshal our numbers. That presupposes that maybe you didn't listen to the results. I, I did. You, the, the nose, which is your side, was 136. The yes, which would be the majority group, had 138. And we know yeah. that in the House of Parliament, there are 137 MPP plus one independent making 138, and your side 137. You had one person shot. So that's a, a yeah, failure uh, of marshalling of numbers. Exactly. We marshal all our numbers, except to say that you are all aware that the Honorable MP4, as enough, has not been well since Parliament reopened. And therefore, he's on medical leave. You all know that. Yes, we, so, all, we all knew that, and that's why we were wondering why you were dragging issues knowing you are not going to succeed if it came to it. So what was the point of wasting the house's time and also everybody else and holding a budget hostage knowing you cannot get it, you cannot reject it? Omar, when was CCPP established? Before you and I were born and before you gained exactly. independence. But they always go for elections. In democracy, you, democracy is a gain of probability. You never know your chances until the results are declared. 
Then if that is the case, why will a minority party be calling for a vote? You know you are a minority. But you call for a vote to register how you voted. If for nothing or not at all, Omar, you as a discerning politician, discerning journalist, know the position of the LDC minority so long as the introduction of the new taxes on the 2024 budget is concerned. You are aware that there are 137 MPs in the minority. One, 30, one person is sick. 136 were present. They all voted against the introduction of new taxes. I think you should be applauding us for consistency and standing with the good people of Ghana. Now, when the budget starts working, people will be asking about the impact of the taxes. Then when that time comes, we will tell you this is why we voted against ABCD. This is not the first thing. There were two things that we in minority were standing against. The second one is the restriction of import and import licensing. That one today, the government himself saw wisdom in it and has withdrawn that. Then the second one was the budget and economic policy. We put that one into vote. It was 138 for and 136 against. So it tells you that we were able to stand our grounds, we massed our numbers, and these were the votes. Even if this question were to be in the chamber, it would have been 138 against 137. We knew that we could only massage 137 votes again, but we went ahead to call for it. So that has registered our position against the taxes. Did you try to win the majority side over to vote with you like you did on the night of January 6, 2021, when you Omar, voted and got a speaker on your side? Omar, that one was a secret by Lotten. You, re you remember when they said we should do it by open balloting, we could kick against it and call for a secret balloting. Because that's what the Constitution says. But when it comes to head count, people who want to stand by their parties. And you know the Minister for Defense, Minister for National Security, and their party gurus were all in Parliament to make sure that they were able to keep their members to do their head count in accordance with their party position. All right, but you could have asked for a secret vote if you thought that you, you, you had convinced then, the majority side? Once, even that one too could, would have been put into vote. But once your numbers are few, your numbers are few. What, what would you say to critics who say this was all a charade, which ended would end nowhere and you knew it, from the it, beginning? It, 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 would, it cannot be. Maybe, you see, critics who do not understand democracy will say it was all a charade. Democracy is a game of probability. Sometimes you go with a strategy. You may win, you may lose. Even in general elections, sometimes you may win and you may lose. The mere fact that you lose in an election does not mean you should not go into another election again. An election is like voting. Now, now do contested for three times and won. Professor Mays contested three times and won. Nobody has ever come once and contested and won. So in democracy, it's a game of probability. We all know that. But the mere fact that we registered our displeasure against the introduction of new taxes, stood against the taxes, consistently voted against it. Later, when those taxes are rolled on, people will understand that, yes, this was the position of the NDC minority. Okay. But assuming that has not been taken through, and the taxes start working, whenever you speak, people will say, oh, it was parliament that passed, it was parliament that passed. Now, in this case, it was parliament that passed, but the position of the minority was registered and everybody knew that.
when it came to unity, you remember in unity, we all voted and approved the budget policy. Then when unity passed bill key, and we said we were going to vote against it, the question that the majority asked us, but you voted for the principle. How can you vote against this tax? So today we said one between Paisha. If yesterday you said we voted for the budget, the policy, and we're going to go against the unit, the tax bill, and you really understand, today we'll start from the budget policy. And that is why we did what we did. Okay. I'll come and ask you what will happen to the appropriation, whether there's going to be a division over that as well. But if you could kindly indulge me, I want to hear from your other colleague on the other side. Um, Honorable Habib Idrisu is Deputy Majority Chief with an MP for Tolong. Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Uh, thank you, Sander. I, I was saying to the Honorable Ahmed Ibrahim, your colleague on the other line, that they wasted everybody's time. But he says, I mean, posterity, I beg your pardon, would judge them that they were on the right side of history and that you are the ones who have imposed these taxes which they were opposed to. What do you say to your victory tonight in Parliament? I think it's rather unfortunate that uh, my colleague, Honorable who is very experienced in leadership, will make um, such a statement. You were very right uh, to have said that the minority, the NDC, have wasted everybody's time. Today, the essence of this voting was on the principle of the budget, not the taxes. And he knows very well that the revenue measures that have to do with the taxes will still come in the form of a bill that the House needs to take a decision. And that was not the decision that we were taking today. The decision we were taking today is that the budget having been read or the motion having been moved was a decision the Speaker said the eyes have it. They challenged the decision of the Speaker, knowing very well that they don't have the numbers to challenge such a decision. Because if you are admitting today that we are in the majority, and even if Kuisin was there, we are 138 and you will be 137 if Kuisin was there, then why do you know that and you still challenge the decision on the principles of the budget? So today was not the taxes. What happened today is that we have just passed the motion being moved. At the end of the day, the committees can now sit down to sector by sector to be able to look at what actually is entailed in the budget. The revenue bills will actually, that he has mentioned, will be looked at by the finance committee. And when that is done, it will now become uh, before the House for us to do. The NDC and the minority were just playing the public politics. They were playing the gallery of the politics to the public so that people will know that, oh, they are fighting for this, they are fighting for that. But actually, sense, that is not the extent. They just want to win public sympathy so that they will look at that they are those who are standing in there for them. But everybody knows that nobody has been able to bring a lot of news on taxes than them. They are the best people to do it. So the most important thing is that they've wasted everybody's time. They've wasted Ghanaian's time. They know very well that they don't have the numbers to be able to bulldoze this way out. And they wasted our time just to give Ghana a very bad image so that it will look like our budget has been presented and been rejected. But at the end of the day, everything is being done. We still have two more issues to handle, and that has to do with the revenue bills and also the appropriation bill, of which we have to take a decision or, uh, of it by the House. So it is not the case that they actually were fighting for the taxes. If actually that is the case, it means that when they bring the revenue bill, they should not oppose any of them, because if there's any opposition they need to do, they've done it uh, already. So they've just wasted everybody's time. And we are happy that we've been able to shelve this, and we are moving to to forward. We and them will try and build consensus around some of the issues that are still hanging. 
so that we can be able to move ahead. Okay, let me just ask him what taxes they are going to kick against and then hear your response so we can call it a night. Honorable Ahmed Ibrahim, what hidden taxes are you kicking against in this budget and what would it uh, what would be your position when it comes to the appropriation? As we have lost the battle and the voting for the principles, the next stage is like my colleague has said, we are left with two, new, two more hurdles to jump and that would be the revenue bill, the introduction of the new taxes that they are bringing, totaling about 11 billion. Then the appropriation bill before we go and vote on the appropriation bill. My colleague is a deputy whip. He said he is surprised we've taken the position we've taken. In modern democracy and in best practices, the position of every member of parliament is stated in order for posterity to judge us. That is why if you check, when Barack Obama was contesting for American president, how he voted on certain critical issues, they went into the archive, and whenever he asked any question, the answer he will give, they will go and see how he voted and the answer he is giving today. So when it comes to voting in parliament, it is not just for populism. Voting in parliament, one must be consistent, and this is to avert ecofancy, hypocrisy, and bootlickers. That is why we vote in Parliament. For your position to be stated, you don't just go and say, this is where I stand. Then tomorrow you say, this is where, no. I said it yesterday, and today, this, no. It is not like that. So we knew we were 137. But we went ahead and said, let's vote. Why did they run away the first day that we were calling for the hair count? You didn't have the numbers. That's why you ran away. But we are not questioning that. If you ran away, waited for about one week, massage your numbers, those who are outside, for all of them to come, we have no problem with that. But we wanted to register our sincere resistance to the introduction of new taxes. Omari, you have brought a budget of about 176 billion. You are introducing 11 billion worth of new taxes. And we are saying that no, where we have gotten to, deposited money you've taken them. The introduction of the old taxes have collapsed on jobs. Introduction of new ones are going to aggravate the situation by making sure that more people are pressed to the below below the poverty line. Therefore, if care is not taken, most businesses are going to collapse. So out of the one seventy six billion, you are going to do tax waivers or grant tax waivers totaling close to that figure. So we are saying, why don't we do away with the tax exemptions? And then to be able to avert the introduction of the new taxes. If when we said we were resisting it, we have been given the opportunity to sit down. They would have listened to us just as they listened to us when it comes to the import permit and the repression of import. And they have withdrawn that. So we understand that we are in minority. But we will continue to be offering constructive criticism. The better they listen to us, the better for the country. If they are challenging us, why are they withdrawing the import permitting LI? It's because they think we do not in the position taken by the minority. So if you are saying this, that why will you keep on giving us more tax waivers to foreign multinationals and imposing new taxes to the Bojo Bojo people who are selling the individual traders like your mother and my mother who are selling on the roadside? Is it not killing the local industries? These are decisions our proposals we are bringing from the minority. And sometimes you must be able to use your tools 
to push your power through anything. Your views through. And that is what we did. We knew we were 137. Even if the equation were to be there, we would have been 137. 137 members were able to be there. They were there the day before. They were there on the day we were calling for the hair count. They were there on the day that they ran away. So if you run away from the match, go and do come with calculated accuracy. And you come and win. That's why I'm kudos to you. But don't say that we were played populism. You know the NDC is not noted for populism. We face the fact just as they are. And Ghanaians can attest to this. When it comes to the appropriation bill, are there elements you would want taken off before you vote for it or you're going to approve it regardless because you've already approved the budget statement and economic policy? Omar, you know... Honorable Ibrahim is Umaru. <laughs> Omar, instead of saying Umar, I would, say, I would prefer to say Panda. That, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Proceed. <laughs> Umar is Panda. As a matter of fact, it is not just thinking on your feet and saying, I'm going to kick against government policy, government revenue. But the work of a minority is to make sure that you go through the details and offer constructive criticism. If on my feet right now. I stand to tell you that we are going to vote against opposition. People, people will say I'm being politics. But it is when we go through the details, then we do consultations with academia, with industry, with this. That is how we, in minority, we do our work. Then we can take decisions. You remember, I've just given you clear instance. When we, before we said we were going to kick against the import restriction bill, we did our consultation and realized the impact. You remember about six trade unionists like Bunta, like Trade Forward Association, like uh, Automobile Business Association. They all saw wisdom in our way because we consulted them. And they saw wisdom in what we were saying. They all did press conferences and went against it. Do you think that they were doing politics or populism? No. We are all building a nation. So if Parliament would just be a rubber stamp, whatever the executive brings, we sit there and say, yeah, yeah. Uma. Where will be the plight of this country? And who will represent the minority who are not a ruling party in Ghana, including a journalist like your good self? Thank you so much for speaking to us. Let's leave it here. That's Thank honorable, you, man. Good brother for having me. That's Honorable Ahmed Ibrahim, his first deputy uh, whip of the minority side. Uh, his counterpart is uh, Honorable Habib Idrisu, deputy majority whip on the well, on the MPP side. Honorable, what, what steps and processes are you taking to... Have I lost? Uh, okay, I've lost uh, Habib Idris as well, MP for Tolon, earlier Ahmed Ibrahim, MP for Banda, both of them whips uh, in the house whose jobs literally to whip MPs as it used to be uh, in the early days of uh, parliamentary democracy. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra around the globe on City Newsroom. Dot com. Let me bring some of the messages you've been sending through. Daniel Akpaliok from Sandema says the budget presentation under this government uh, revealed that the economy of Ghana is broken beyond repairs. I am surprised that all these taxes are slapped on Ghanaians under the so-called economic guru. Dr. Bamiya, kudos to the minority for the attempts made to resist the punitive budget. Posterity will judge us all. Prof from Tema says, I think our parliament is sometimes funny. A decision was made by a certain number of MPs. The decision was challenged. Then days after, a decision was made of the challenge by some members who were not in the house when the first decision was made. Charade indeed. Okroyebua from Breman Benin says, It is good that 
2024 budget has been passed in Parliament today. Consensus building is the best way to go. We are one people with a common destiny. John Na Tete from Koforida says, Ghana, Ghanaian democracy is getting through. The minority will have their way, will have their say, while the majority has its way. We are moving forward. Father S.K. from Kenya Sikumasi says, due to the headcount uh, to approve the 2024 budget, the house was full to the brim, but on normal days, proceedings are of the house become um, normal proceedings the house becomes empty a ghana zilis Duane in london says how can we blame the minority for defending ghanaians and leaving the majority rather it's egregious and more hardship francis uh, says what an eighth parliament i thought there were various stakeholder meetings since the start of this year to avoid this they only delayed the 600 million imf second tranche, second tranche as the world was watching. Amwate from New Achimota says, I think the headcount should have been done on the day that the voice vote was taken. This eyewitness news on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka, in Accra. Let's remain in Parliament now, shall we, Howard? And the first Deputy Speaker of Parliament, Joseph Oseo-Usu, says allegation against the majority of deliberate attempt to frustrate the passage of the anti-gay bill is unfair. The sponsors of the promotion of proper human sexual rights and Ghanaian family values bill yesterday accused the majority of sabotaging the passage of the bill after the first Deputy Speaker declined a request for the bill to be taken at the consideration stage. Here is Joseph Oseo-Usu reacting to the issue on the floor of Parliament. It was suggested that let the motion be moved, motion for amendment be moved by the ranking member. I said that the motions were in the name of the chairman, but it was just to save the house from the embarrassment announcing that we didn't have members to take the decision. Mr. Speaker, the members of the coalition immediately went to press conference and started making allegations that myself, and the majority in general are opposed to the bill. So because when the second reading was done, we were all in the house. And my colleagues will tell you my position on the bill. Suggested to them that even the thing they are proposing to take out of the bill, if they bring it here, I will reintroduce them. For members to think that because they proposed it, it is their property, it's wrong and it's unfair. Once it is laid in the house, it is the property of the house. And it is not for them. And the grandstanding of some of the colleagues thinking that if they do not propose it, they can be done. It's wrong. This is the business of the House, and it should be regulated by the standing orders and the constitution of the House. The Speaker, it is inappropriate for us to assume that because today it is not done today, then it is an attempt to frustrate the process. It is not right. I am a member of the Catholic Church, just as you, the Speaker. The Catholic Church has not raised an issue. I will not entitled to consider those matters. As the Honorable uh, uh, Deputy Leader was the one who represented the House at that meeting. I will not entitled to consider those matters. Did those matters go before the committee? Should we, as he suggested, Honorable Sam just suggested, we could have finished in one hour. Please, this bill should last. It should last to serve the whole country. There's no need to rush. 
First, Deputy Speaker of Parliament Joseph Osei Owusun. Meanwhile, the Speaker of Parliament Alban Bagbin has directed that the bill be passed before the House goes on recess. These are key bills that I think we should consider before we go on recess. And the committees are urged to always present, committee members always present themselves when we get to each of the bills I've mentioned. These are important bills we have to pass. And we also have to resolve understanding orders before we go on recess. Now that the committees are properly composed, please, members are encouraged to start the consideration of the estimates from the various centers. And the majority leader of the business committee will be coming out with the the timetable for presentation of your reports. So next week is going to be a very busy week for us. You can see the standing, uh, the order papers is completely replete with a lot of work, some of which are very key to the sustenance of democracy and development in the country. We have to finish all before we go on recess on the 22nd. 22nd. That was the Speaker of Parliament, Alban Bagbin. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back. Government has suspended the laying of the Export and Import Regulations 2023 for further stakeholder consultations. The ally seeks to restrict the importation of 22 selected strategic goods such as rice, poultry, sugar, tripe, among others. The ally has faced opposition from the minority caucus and various stakeholders in the trade industry over concerns of lack of engagement and the possibility of breeding corruption. Here is Information Minister Kojo Poinkoma confirming the suspension of the laying of the ally to journalists. Uh, met since the last time, uh, you know, when he shared the information on what was within the airline that he was coming to uh, Parliament. But I think as we are here, we engage, we listen, we have a sense of the importance of this policy, and more importantly, the uh, need to get everybody rallying around it. Because what it will do is that it will ensure that the um, local production of all of these items is posted. And if you've watched about two, three budgets that have gone by, this is a major point that we've been making. But it is important to ensure that we are all on the same page as we do that. And so the idea is to ensure that the outstanding uh, stakeholders uh, get an opportunity to have their views expressed and considered, uh, even as we consider this policy. Kojo Poinkroma is Information Minister. This eyewitness news on 97.3. CTFM Joseph Obin uh, leads the Ghana Union of Traders Association, Guta. He's joining me on the line. Mr. Obin, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Yes, sir. How are you doing, sir? Uh, I'm doing great, sir. Since, last we, the, since the last time we spoke, where you were opposed to this uh, ally that the government was seeking to lay before the House, and the fact that the laying has been suspended or has not been successful and now has been suspended, 
has there been any conversations, discussions with government? Have they come to you? What have they said to you about this ally since you said there were no consultations prior? Yeah, um, they were so bent on passing this law, but we are also so bent on disallowing it um, to come. So we had also petitioned Parliament um, um, through the Speaker, through the minority leadership, through um, the um, majority, and then trade, a select committee on trade and industry. We've done all that. And then they have seen reason to what we're saying, because um, um, it should not be said that uh, we have to be handed with uh, um, issuance of permit before we can import. We are not going to do that. It's an archaic methodology uh, that it will not help us. And so um, it is not going to happen today or even for the future that we have to subject ourselves to that uh, method of restriction. Uh, if we think that we have attained self-sufficiency, all that we have to do is to ban. And that one, we don't have a problem with that. You ban it. If you think that we have attained self-sufficiency and you do not require that the importers bring the shortfall or demand, then you import, then we fund from within and then buy whatever um, um, things that we have produced here. And, and so it's very unfortunate because we want to um, exercise um, 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 uh, import substitution and we have to do it the right way. Now you put ahead restrictions uh, ahead of uh, the objectives. The objectives being that you want to show up local productivity. How are you going to do it? What measures are you adopting? What incentives are you giving to? How are you reducing cost of doing business in the country? That's what you have to be thinking about. And when we are being able to achieve some threshold of um, local capacity of production, then we, we say that we want to um, um, do some re, re kind of frustration. And definitely even that is not going to be issuance of permits that uh, have been abused in the past. This exercise came and it, it, didn't, it failed and it didn't produce any results. Even just recently on the, um, 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 there's frustrations on poultry, uh, poultry, and it, it, it also failed with all the challenges that business people have to go through before importing and all that. Uh, it did not enhance local productivity of um, uh, poultry. Now we still have a shortfall of about 90%. So we don't even have a good reference in um, um, the issuance of permits. Now we are, we, we, we've itemized about 22 items. Among them is sugar that we don't produce even a gram here. We don't even produce a gram here, and that we are we are being restricted. And the whole exercise was very empty, and it, it lacked foundation. It lacked uh, the basis to do it. It does not even provide any data. Nigeria, when they decided to ban on um, um, importation of rice, they knew what they were talking about because at that time they've attained about eighty-five percent. Um, uh, 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 capacity, uh, 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 domestic capacity of uh, rice production. And that, they knew that when they close the borders, they will be able to attain it. Here, do we have the figures to support whatever we want to do and even what strategy that we want to adopt? And that we are just doing it for doing sake. 
which is not going to produce any results. So he's coming to waste our time, our resources, and then he's going to impede on trade facilitation that dwells on uh, ease of doing business, time of doing business, and cost of doing business, because we are going to pay for um, uh, uh, the, the permit also. What is it? That in the era of trade liberalization, we have to bring this. So yes, if you want to um, help government, we have to, have to engage government um, to see how we can modify our produ- uh, 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 production methods or how to enhance on productivity. Whatever experience that we have, and mind you, trust me, we have a lot of experience. It's not that um, even the, the local manufacturing entities who are not even adding up to the value chain. Because even if some people bring a concentrate of tomato concentrate and then they employ about 20 people somewhere and then um, um, they say it's a manufacturer. But he's also importing the concentrate. He did not buy the tomatoes from the farmland like um, Akumadang or Walugu or where. That is buying the tomatoes to go and service this factory. And we think uh, that is industrialization. That's self-deceit. That means that we don't know what, what we are doing. And so we will grant government uh, the needed interview uh, input so that we will achieve this. Because uh, the onus lies on all of us to make sure that we industrialize. We will be the first people to propagate the industrialization drive of government because we travel and see um, um, what um, uh, the nations that have industrialized and that have attained self-sufficiency and and how it is bringing wealth and development to them. So um, we will be the first people to even propagate this. But if it should be done, it should be done well. And in this particular case, we did not do it well at all. It lacked any foundation, no basis. Um, and it's not scientific because it lacked data and all that. And then we are just restricting to just frustrate and uh, destroy people's businesses. Yeah. All right. Before the laying or the attempted laying, um, the government you have told us did not consult you. After the brouhaha, have you been invited to the table to discuss these matters at any point? No, we have not been invited. All that they are insisting, unless my team of um, associations, you know we have the Joint Business Consultative Forum for which I chair, and I led them to Parliament and all that. What they, they, they seem to have told uh, Parliament is that they have met with us. And that's... And what had happened was that, you know, this list have been popping up. Um, say, we are, have been, you, you've been interviewing me on some of these things. These things have been popping up, that uh, we are going to restrict this. And then when we got the information with the list, then we, we go to the ministry to seek for information. And so we've done that about three, four times. And that's what they are terming it as engagement. So that's not engagement. We did not go and put our input, uh, a written input, to suggest that this is how to go and all that. Whenever we have gotten that opportunity and come, we said that we are not ready for that, and that we cannot um, um, get uh, um, uh, come and get, uh, get license before we are able to trade. And this is what our input. If there's any input, this is what we have said. And where was it captured? So it cannot be said that we have uh, they have engaged us. And since this thing um, started uh, uh, coming up, um, we have not also been called, as you want to know, we have not been called for any engagement again. 
But we have met with um, the subsidiary the committee on subsidiary legislation. Okay. We we met them two days ago, and then we make our point so clear. But Minister for Trade, Minister for Trade, Katie Hammond, or his deputies did not invite you for any meeting to discuss this. Uh, no, no, not uh, after they've laid, they tried to lead this. No, they haven't done that. Okay. Seriously, like I've told you, we uh, even that we are engaging um, the, uh, um, um, Madame Dukua, who was the deputy minister, whenever we have seen that these names have popped up that they are going to um, restrict it, we go and seek information. And that's what uh, we have been doing. And that's what they term it as a, a, a stakeholder engagement. It's not okay. stakeholder engagement. Stakeholder engagement means that we are forming something together and that we are building consensus on that and that we are bringing our input, which will be captured, and then um, uh, to make something that we all owe it. And that's and not happening. It. Moving forward, are you moving forward? Are you suggesting that this ally? in the form that it is, or even any ally that will seek to restrict importation would never be supported by your group. That, that is your position. No. Um, um, we, uh, we, you know, we, we have something like import substitution. That's what they are saying, that's restriction. And we have so many methodologies. And I'm telling you that um, uh, import, issuance of import permits have not even helped in the past. What we have to do is to find a way to shore up our local productivity. Let me tell you, these things happen naturally. When the right environment is treated, when production, we use efficient ways to produce, that will make cost effective. That will make it co uh, competitive. Because it, it should not be said that the production that is made in Ghana is only going to be sold to people of Ghana. So when we tie up the importers in Ghana, it means that we are selling our goods to Ghana. We are not thinking about selling it to Togo, the Niger, uh, Burkina Faso, and Nigeria. Because whether the price is high or low, uh, the people of Ghana should buy and leave the others. No. So we have to create a living environment to make um, the produce that turns out from our industrialization very competitive and so that we can even export. And that's what we have not even done. And um, we have not provided incentives that will also show up the capacity of production itself. You understand? I get you. Now, now look, at, look at cement. The cement that we have, we have our own attachment being produced by our own Ibrahim. Uh, uh, we have the Gatsem uh, cement. We have um, this uh, uh, diamond cement. And then the, the letter that comes from Dangote because of the continental free trade. Who, who have been importing uh, cement? You know that they themselves took cement out of the list. Because everybody understands, because we've been able to efficiently produce cement at uh, cost-effective, uh, uh, cost quality is good, Ghanaians have accepted it. Other things are also like that, that uh, the four towns that is coming gradually, people have started accepting it. And this yeah. thing comes, and so all that you have to do is to increase the local capacity okay. um, of production. And you will support it. We, Very well. We, we also support it. Be, 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 before, before you take leave of us, I have a quick question uh, on a story that we are following, that the your union members at Oprah Square uh, have some issues with the AMA over a directive to demolish structures in parts of the central business district. Uh, what's, the, what's the situation there? Yeah, um, uh, these are some of the artwork things and all that. Because we are practicing democracy, 
And it is important that secondary engagement um, um, precedes anything. And whatever thing they are friend doing, we have not never been consulted. So we, out of the blue, some of these things come. They have um, 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 uh, uh, given me, they've just called me to inform me about this development. And I'm here to get, today I knew my members went to Power Square and sat down with the, um, the traders and they will come and brief me. And then I can um, um, give you an informed position or whatever is happening. So for now, let's put it here. Thank you so much for speaking to us and wish you all the Thank best. Thank you, my boss. Thank you so much. That's the president of the Ghana Union of Traders Association, Guta, Dr. Obing, George Obing. Joseph, I beg your pardon, Obing. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. Let's go to the OT region now. There's a new district that has been born, and there will be a constituency that will be born, we are told, before election 2024. Is a Guan district and Guan constituency for the people of Central Kofi, Akbafu, Lolobi, and Likpe. Now, we are told that there's an issue with the election of assembly members. Uh, community members are not entirely happy with what the situation there is. Fred Agbenyu is a member of the NDC. He's been elected the parliamentary candidate for the, I think, is yet to be created Guan constituency. He's joined us on the line. Sir, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you, Maru. Just to be sure, um, has a district been created? Is there a constituency or there are, there is none? Well, uh, the district was created prior to the 2020 elections. I think two months before 2020 elections. Uh, the CI for the creation of the constituency was laid on the 30th November, 30th October. It has since matured. And so currently we can say that uh, the constituency has been created. Okay, but the election for the MPs for that constituency will be held next election. Not, It cannot be done midway, correct? Well, we are yet to receive any form of communication from the Electoral Commission. Uh, we are not too sure if they are going to do it as a by-election or we are going to wait uh, for it to take place in the 2024 elections. Okay, now if there was a Guan district two months to election 2020, which I've just uh, recalled now, do you also have assembly members already? Yes, we do. We have assemblymen, uh, members. We have very committee members and all that. We have a DCE. I think I remember you had a DCE who, who, who passed away. Um, very That's good correct. friend, um, Malone. Malone. That's correct. Okay, so you have a DCE in place. You have members of the assembly in place. That's correct. Okay, so what's your issue now with the upcoming district-level elections? Okay, so on the 8th of November, Electoral Commission issued a statement uh, announcing the opening of nomination for the new disassembly elections that is coming up on the 19th of December. Uh, in that particular statement, they exempted uh, Guan Desen, Jazikan District, from picking, the, or picking up the nomination forms because at the time, the CI that is supposed to create the Guan constituency had been laid and hasn't matured yet. And so the announcement was that once it matures, a date will be given for us to also pick our nomination forms and prepare for the election. In fact, if you read that particular uh, public notice that was issued, they stated that they will make sure that that election takes place before the end of this particular year. Then on the 4th of uh, December, it was about Monday or Tuesday, the Commission now issues another letter saying that they have opened nomination for the April of Guan, uh, Guan District and that of Jessica, and the nomination is closing tomorrow, 8th of December. And after they have picked the forms, so the nomination was open on Tuesday. 
yesterday, Wednesday, today, Thursday, and Friday, they close it. Then we are supposed to participate in the elections on the 19th of, uh, uh, of December. Just like all other districts who submitted their forms far back on the 16th and 17th of November. Now, you know, this is a farming season, this is a farming area. Everybody wakes up in the morning and they've gone to farm. And so, unless somebody tells them that they feel you open their nomination, they're on their way. If they don't hear it on radio, they don't know anything about it. And so, this morning, several people have come out and said, Oh, we want to contest as an assembly uh, member, we want to contest as an area committee member, and we are told that tomorrow is the closing day for the nominations and the elections on the 19th. And it's becoming a major concern for a lot of people in the area. So, we are only appealing to the Letter Commission that if they wouldn't mind, they should extend the date for the election to maybe 28th of December, actually so that they can have at least two weeks ample time to prepare adequately for whatever elections that they, they want to have. And secondly, we also appeal to the Letter Commission, since the CI-119 that was laid as matured, officially they should put out a public notice that the one cause has been created to allay the fears and, the, the, and all the things that the people are going through as of now. But appears nothing of the sort has happened. Now, what it means is that you currently don't have what I have seen in other assemblies or electoral areas where they have posted notice of poll and all of those things. You don't have that currently. We don't have anything of that sort in the constituency. I respect to you. And the election is some 10 days away. Or is it 12 some days? Some 10 days away. Yeah, the election is on the 19th. Currently, you don't even know who and who are seeking to represent which electoral area. We don't even know those who are seeking to uh, represent the letter areas. It was yesterday, people have to rush to walk with other places to go and print the forms. Some went to a Disney capital in Likpe to go and pick the forms. They are not getting people to endorse the forms for them, get them completed. Some are now rushing to go and get their posters done. And I thought that this is just in a haste. And so, the commission can just extend at least eight for two weeks for them so that they can adequately prepare, we can get the right materials or the right good uh, kind of people who are interested in contesting to come forward and come and contest. Now, I have received calls this evening from some people who have said that we didn't even know that the notice is going to be this short and that they have traveled out of the area. So what are they going to do? Some are saying that they'll return uh, by Monday. Some are saying they'll return this weekend. Meanwhile, per the letter commission's directive, the closure of the submission is tomorrow by 5 p.m. What if it's a legal matter that the electoral commission is handicapped about? What that means is that what if there must be an election by 19 December or there cannot be any elections? The, the, the EC would have no choice then. Well, I think that the EC need to come out and communicate this in, in black and white. We need to know exactly what their constraints are for which they want to fast track the process. If there's an issue about legality, they should make it quite clear to us. Because as far as I'm concerned, the current assembly that we have in the Guan district, even the term of office is not yet four years. It is three years. Meanwhile, the law that supposed to stay in office for at least four years. So there's even some, you know, legal issue over there that needs to be addressed. And that's why I'm saying that what we are now, we are agreed that we have a difficulty. This is a set of people, a group of people that were not allowed to take part in the last elections. Promises were made to them. That promise was not fulfilled. If now we are trying to correct the wrongs that we made in the past, it's only fair, fair that these things are communicated well to the people. Let the chiefs, let the elders, let the opinion leaders know exactly what the letter commission is doing. If you have any constraints, communicate the constraints to the people so that you carry everybody along. Then all of us know that, yes, we have a challenge, and that is why we have to go through where we are going through now. But when it appears as though you are being treated with contempt, like with nobody really seems to care, 
you know, they are popping nomination. We have given you two days. Go and pick the forms and submit and get yourself ready for the election of the 19th. Without any official communication to you, it becomes problematic. Moving forward, how is your own campaign coming uh, to be member of parliament? You, you had done in the past deputy director of communication. Now you have gone to contest to be parliamentary candidate for, for Guan. Um, how, how is a campaign coming to represent the people of Guan uh, in, in parliament? And what do you make of the competition that you'll be facing from the MPP and others? Well, Omario, we are quite familiar with this particular area, the area that is largely described as Sam, uh, Sandro Kofi, Akbafolo, Lobi, Lipe area. And as I indicated in my earlier conversation, this purely Nigerian area, a farming community, so to speak. Uh, there are a lot of challenges if you come to this area, uh, right from Likpe, from all the way through to Likpe, all the Likpe 10 communities, apart from Likpe, Bakwa to Likpe, Bala, that you can see that the road is more trouble. All the other roads in the, in the entire district are simply not more trouble. As I speak to you right now, the people of Likpe have to contribute money by themselves to go and get a grader to work on their road from Likpe Mate to Agbozome, through Hiasem to Lolubi Kumanse. You know, the people of Sandro are planning to do the same. As we are going to this festive uh, season, everybody's inviting you here and there. We are doing fundraising, come and support us so we can take care of our needs. And so we have a huge problem over here. For me, that is the most important thing. It's not about my personal ambition of just entering parliament for entering sake, but how I can use that position to influence and to lobby and bring about the net development that the people are looking for. For me, that is the target. And this is the political party. We have done our elections, as we are aware, far back in the 13th of uh, May last uh, this year. And by the grace of God, the party elected me as a candidate. And so whatever we need to do to prepare ourselves for the uh, bigger election, which will come off next year, that we are working towards, I'm aware that MP to have elected their candidate. And so we'll see. We, we will go around, we'll campaign, we'll give our message to our people, and I believe that at the end of the day, people will decide on who will be the right person to represent them in parliament for the first time as a new decision, a new constituency. Very well. Thank you so much, and I wish you all the best. Thank you very much. That's Fred Agbenyo. He's the NDC parliamentary candidate for the Guan constituency of the OT region. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. How has some other stories? The leadership of the Concerned Drivers Association of Ghana have thrown their support behind John Dramani Mohammed's 24-hour economy policy. The association believes that under the policy, majority of Ghanaian youth would be employed and must thus be embraced by all citizens. Addressing a press conference earlier today, Deputy Secretary of the Association, Asunaba Nanaridu, warned political parties to desist from discrediting the policy, adding that the country needs this policy to turn the economy around. We have followed Kenyan discussions surrounding a mega policy announcement made by the NDC flag bearer, John Dramani Mahama, and even particularly statement made by the NPP leader, Vice President Baumia and some influential members of the NPP as well. After extensive deliberations on the 24-hour economic policy, as mentioned, policies announced by John Ramani Mama with transport operators, including GPRTU. We have no doubt that the policy is a game changer and will help turn around Ghana's economy. Thus, we wish to state categorically that we give the policy our 100% support. Ladies and gentlemen, under a properly implemented 24-hour economy, 
we are rest assured that the commercial centers, such as the port, harbors, market centers, and essential services, will be running shift to ensure night operations. We are certain also that under the Game Changer 24-hour economy, factories and production firms will also run day and night shift, and therefore providing us with passengers under the current system. We mostly burn our fuel in our guests to have passengers during the night, but with no success. Ladies and gentlemen, to say drivers are suffering under this current system is an understatement. We are indeed dying and cannot literally wait for the full implementation of this great policy, which will push our business higher. Asunaba Nanaredu is the Deputy Secretary of the Concerned Drivers Association of Ghana. Traders at the new KJTM market in Kumasi can finally heave a sigh of relief over the long-standing individual metering systems that lingered on since the opening of the facility in 2019. This is because some 8,000 meters have currently been made available to be installed in the over 7,000 shops within the market. Speaking to City News at a stakeholder engagement with the traders ahead of the installation, the president of the Federation of Kumasi Traders, Nana Akwesi Prempe, who expressed excitement about the development, noted that the traders are taking the entire cost of the meters and its installation. No, it's been over almost three to four years now since we advocated that each shop owner should get his or her meter. And finally, the management and the board of Kumasi City Market has signed an MOU with a contractor to install the individual meters. So traders can have a sign of relief because the meters are coming. That was the president of the Federation of Kumasi Traders, Nana Akwesi Prempe. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, brought to you by GCB Bank PLC. GCB Personal Loan, make that big move and dream a reality. My name is Hawa Idrisu Mustafa. Details of our stories now. The Bank of Ghana has reiterated calls for exporters to take proactive steps to acquire letters of commitment on their goods or risk being jailed for not less than 10 years. The LOC is a mandatory document issued by the central bank to exporters that enables the bank to monitor and ensure the repatriation of export proceeds. A deputy director of foreign banking operations at the Bank of Ghana, Eric Hammond, made the call during a workshop on the Bank of Ghana's LOC requirement for the repatriation of export proceeds organized by the Ghana Shippers Authority and the Central Bank. What the law says that every merchandise export from Ghana, it doesn't give exception to anybody. It doesn't give exception to anybody. So once you are a resident, your company is a resident company, you've been issued with the license from your uh, regulatory institution, okay? And then you have tax identification number, you know? Then you can generate an LOC 
for all your exports. And once you do that, you know, you don't have problem with the laws. And after which, we also ensure the repatriation of export process. When it also comes in, you, then it means that you have completed the whole cycle. And business as usual, there's no challenge. But when you export and there's no repatriation, what we have done recently is that um, the law says that, you know, you, you could be fined 5,000 penalty units or go to a term of imprisonment of no more than 10 years. But the law doesn't give Bank of Ghana the power to prosecute. So what we we'll do is that we are now in collaboration with the security agencies. Eric Hammond is a deputy director of foreign banking operations at the Bank of Ghana. The Ministry of Communications is emphasizing the importance of ICT players in harnessing emerging technologies to foster entrepreneurship. This, according to the ministry, will serve as a catalyst for economic growth. Speaking on the sidelines of the launch of the 20th anniversary and unveiling of a new logo for the Ghana India Kofi Anand Center of Excellence in ICT, the Deputy Minister for Communications, Amapoma Boatin, encouraged stakeholders to actively contribute to achieving the ICT targets outlined in the Sustainable Development Goals. Uh, sustainable Development Goals have been in existence for some time now and uh, now is the perfect time to use ICT tools to achieve most of it. So even when you take education or access to portable water or health, you would see that uh, these days uh, digital tools play a very key role in using uh, things to achieve these targets. So having Kofianan ICT Center of Excellence being a trading provider gives Ghana the opportunity to train people either to be innovators or to be users of the ICT tools. Um, this is the opportunity to even groom entrepreneurs to be in this sector to um, develop simple things for health telemedicine, for example, access to uh, nurses, access to uh, logistics. Digital tools make all these things possible. That was the Deputy Minister for Communications and Digitalization, Ama Poma Boatin. The precious minerals marketing company PMMC is aiming to make Ghana a jewelry manufacturing hub, enhancing value addition of minerals within the country. In pursuit of this goal, the company has acquired a cutting-edge machinery to ensure the production of world-class designs and impeccable crafted jewelry. Managing director of the precious minerals marketing company Nana Akusi Iwa has been speaking with City Business News during the company's maiden pre-Christmas lobby sales event, which features exclusive discounts on their requisite range of products. If you look at Africa, the West Africa sub-region, for instance. I don't know of any other country where you have this kind of robust market for jewelry or production hub. And that is the whole idea, being able to maximize the potential or the benefits of our natural resources, you understand? That is the whole idea behind this. And of course, um, we've been in talks with uh, GEPA uh, so that we can get some assistance in leveraging on the Africa continental free trade area. So we can drive the value addition and enter into these markets as well. Because you tell yourself that, uh, why is it that you have Ghana, a leading producer of gold in Africa, 
and yet people have to travel uh, all the way to Dubai and elsewhere to buy gold jewelry. Why should that be? You understand? So part of the mandate also is that we want to be able to have something like uh, a souk, a market, a gold market, where whenever anybody comes to Ghana, you can simply walk there and all kinds of jewelry you find there. And PMMC is leading those efforts. Nana Akosi is managing director of Precious Minerals Marketing Company. Now, general manager of PMMC Jewelry, Daniel Bouje, has expressed the organization's commitment to making the pre-Christmas lobby sales an annual event with the aim to express gratitude to customers and foster a tradition of appreciation. This is the maiden edition of we having a lobby sale to appreciate our customers and also to give back to society and to bring out our novelty and our innovations to the public or to make it known to them and uh, we intend to make this an annual ritual that is would always either fix it during easter festivities or during the christmas seasons so that at least we would be able to interact directly with our clients and also give back to society that's the main reason why we are giving this discount and it's going to be an annual affair going forward our plan is that this is to appreciate our customers so from today till the Saturday, we are running a promo between 5 and 10%. So any item you pick from our shelves today, it gets to attract between 5 and 10% discount. After that, that is from next week, you start running our main promo, our Christmas Bonanza for the year 2023. It's going to span from December 15th to January the 15th. And that one also would be raining out some discount. Daniel Bouje is general manager of Precious Minerals Marketing Company and in City Business News on Eyewitness News. The Business News on Eyewitness News is brought to you by GCB Bank PLC. GCB Personal Loan, make that big move and dream a reality. My name is Hawa Itrisu Mustafa. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News, be there as it happens. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sandamad. I'm sure by now you would have heard that there are plans to extract or exploit lithium in Ghana. There's been some controversy around that. Today, the Minister for Lands and Natural Resources, who is MP for Damongo, Samuel Abdullah Jinapo, called a press conference. At which press conference he said that the agreed lease for lithium mining at Ewuya in the central region secures Ghana the highest royalty in its mineral exploration history. Despite some stakeholders expressing concerns over the 10% state share, the sector minister assured that the terms were favorable, with DV Barari uh, already investing some $50 million in prospecting. So the DV Barari is an Australian subsidiary of Atlantic Lithium, which has been given that particular contract. Let's listen to Samuel Abdullah Jinabo. You will recall that at a brief ceremony at the Ministry of Lands and Natural Resources on Thursday 19th, October 2023, I signed on behalf of the President of the Republic the first mining lease for the exploitation of lithium in our country. This followed cabinet's approval of a policy for the exploitation 
and management of green minerals of our in our country and extensive negotiations spanning several months between government and Barari DV Limited, a subsidiary of Atlantic Lithium Limited, which President Akufuado had to, on some occasions, personally intervene. Since this act, there has been some commentary on the mining lease under reference, with several people and institutions sharing their opinion on the transaction. Government welcomes the extraordinary public interest and scrutiny of this mining lease, as it is the surest way of ensuring that the mineral resources of our country are utilized for the benefit of the Ghanaian people, as dictated by our national constitution. We, however, note that much of the commentary ignore the actual terms of the lease, which I am told is available on the website of the Minerals Commission. On 27th October 2023, I issued a 26-point press release detailing the processes leading to the grant of the mining lease and giving highlights of the lease, which obviously differs from all previous mining leases granted for the exploitation of any mineral in our country. This is easily verifiable from a cursory examination of the mining lease under reference. Regrettably, some public commentary on the matter provide once again detailed information to the Ghanaian people on the processes leading to the signing of the mining lease, as well as details of the lease that makes it different from all previous mining leases. And if I should emphasize, and most importantly, how this mining lease benefits our nation. This will be done by the Chief Executive Officer of the Minerals Commission. But distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen, before I invite the Chief Executive Officer to address us, kindly indulge me to clarify a few issues. Firstly, Barari DV Limited, the company granted a mining lease for the exploitation of lithium in Ewea, has been undertaking exploration for almost a decade in the central region of Ghana. From when they were first granted a recognizance license in August 2012, which was subsequently converted to a prospecting license in March 2018 for three years, and renewed for three additional years in July 21, Barari BV DV Limited has been engaged in recognizance exploration and prospecting for all these years. As I say, let me emphasize, from August 2012. When they reported commercial find of lithium, government took a decision not to treat this mineral in the same manner in which others had been treated in the past. We therefore decided to make a policy for the exploitation and management of lithium and other green minerals of our country before any form of negotiations will commence. To make the development of the policy more participatory, on 13 July 2022, I presented to Parliament, on behalf of government, a statement setting out the general framework of the proposed policy for the development, management, and exploitation of the green minerals in our country. Following input from honorable members of parliament and other stakeholders, 
a policy was developed by the ministry and submitted to cabinet, which after intense scrutiny, critique, and inputs, approved a reviewed policy on 27th July 2023. The approved policy includes provisions for an increase in the royalties rate for green minerals, an increase in state and Ghanaian participation in all green mineral operations to a minimum of 30%, just like GEADEC and GISDEC, just like bauxite and iron ore, to a minimum of 30%, an enhanced local content and local participation, including listing on the Ghana Stock Exchange, and value addition and beneficiation for all green minerals in our country. It was based on this policy that we entered into negotiations with the company leading to the signing of the mining lease. Ladies and gentlemen, respectfully, let me forcefully state that this lease differs from all previous mining leases in many respects. And the Chief Executive Officer of the Minerals Commission will shortly, as I say, give you details to support this, asset, this claim. Suffice for me to point out that it is the first time in the history of our country that we have successfully negotiated, successfully negotiated for 10% royalties for any mineral, which is, the, which is one of the highest for exploitation of any mineral across the world. If you indulge me, I'll repeat that. I say it is the first time in the history of our country that we have successfully negotiated for 10% royalties for any mineral, which is one of the highest for exploitation of any mineral across the globe. We have already secured a 19% state participation in this mining company, 19%, with a requirement to scale it up to a minimum of 30% Ghanaian participation through listing on the Ghana Stock Exchange for shares to be made available to Ghanaians and Ghanaian entities. What this simply will mean is that when it is all over, Barari DV Limited, the holder of this mineral right of lithium, Ghanaian and state participation will be 30%. Foreign participation will be a maximum of 70%. Baganian participation will be a minimum of 30%. This has never happened in the history of our country in respect of any mineral. Never. Ladies and gentlemen, and for the first time in the history of our country, a mining lease contains provisions for the establishment of a refinery that is value addition and beneficiation. This mining lease has provision which insists that a refinery will be established here in Ghana for processing of this lithium, this mineral. This has never happened. This is the first time. There's been the issue of ratification of the mining lease, and there's been a lot of commentary on that. And it's been raised by several people. And if you allow me, I want to deal with that briefly. This has never, lost, this has never been lost on us as this is expressly provided for in the mining lease granted to Barari DV Limited. Specifically, Clause 1E of the lease states, and I quote, the mining lease is subject to ratification by Parliament in accordance with Article 2681 of the Constitution and Section 
5.4 of Acts 7.03. And he continues, Upon execution of this mining lease, the minister shall cause the mining lease to be laid in parliament for ratification, end quote. By the very terms of the lease, therefore, ratification by parliament is a condition precedent. And as the Supreme Court explained in the Eston QB case, an unratified mining lease confers no enforceable rights, and government has always been mindful of this decision. The mining lease in question will be laid before parliament for ratification. That is non-negotiable. But before such agreements can be laid before Parliament, it must go through a number of processes, including securing Cabinet's approval, the processes are ongoing, and once completed, the agreement will be laid before Parliament for consideration and hopefully ratification. There have also been calls to grant mining leases through a tender process, and I want to deal with that as well. As we explained in our earlier press release, International best practice requires that where a company undertakes exploration and makes a commercial fine for minerals, the company is entitled to a right of first refusal to the grant of a mining lease, subject to regulatory compliance. This international best practice is given legal backing by Section 39.2 of the Minerals and Mining Act 206, Act 703. Needless to point out that, the use of the tender process is only feasible where there already exists geological statistics and the state is looking for partners to go straight into mining. If I may explain this, if the state spends its own hard money to conduct the exploration and makes a find, a commercial find, then if the state wants partners to go into mining, then you go through the tender processes. But where a private company comes in to invest and makes a commercial find, by law and by international best practices. The company has a legal right of first refusal. Ladies and gentlemen, let me also indicate that Regulation 2581 of the Minerals and Mining Licensing Regulations 2012 LI2176, which deals with the grant of mineral rights by tender, gives these instances under which under which such process may be used. And they are, one, where the Minerals Commission determines that there exists sufficient mineral information in respect of the area concerned. Two, where the Republic has carried out prior mineral exploration in respect of the area concerned. Or three, where an area becomes available through surrender, revocation, or termination and two or more applications are recorded in the priority register within the seven days of, of, of that area becoming vacant." End quote. In all these circumstances, the state would have enough geological data generated through its own exploration or where a holder of a mineral right surrenders his interest or the right is otherwise revoked or terminated. But there is there is, there is enough statistics generated by a private company that has carried out exploration at great cost, then that entity is by virtue of Section 39.2 of Act 703 entitled to the grant of a, a mineral rights subject to regulatory compliance, in which case the tender system cannot be legally tenable. The historical lack of resources to undertake exploration has thus meant 
that we have had to depend on private companies to undertake exploration of most of our minerals, which then entitles them to the grant of the grant of mining leases without going through the tender process. And as I say, Barari DV Limited got their first recognizance license as far back as August 2012. They established that legal right as far back as August 2012. And in any event, ladies and gentlemen, the private sector, both foreign and Ghanaian, participation is in accord with best international practice. And this can be verified from several mining countries across the world. It is the private sector that normally engages in exploration. There have also been calls for the establishment of a Ghana lithium company to undertake lithium mining and develop the value chain of the mineral from lithium mining to battery production. And I would like to deal with this too. Ladies and gentlemen of the press, it will be recalled that the policy statement presented to Parliament last year considered the option of establishing an entity along the lines of the Ghana Integrated Aluminium Development Corporation, GIADEC, and the Ghana Integrated Iron and Steel Development Corporation, GISDEC. However, the volumes of the mineral we have currently and our quest to ensure optimal benefit for the exploitation of this mineral made that, meant that that option was not feasible for several considerations. Firstly, globally, only China has an end-to-end -end lithium value chain. This is why we have instituted in this transaction the retention of a significant part of the value chain which we will work systematically to eventually construct here in our country the full value chain for lithium. But as we have said, we will not export lithium in its raw form. Everything we have done in respect of this transaction and all the measures we have put in place in respect of this particular transaction will mean that Ghana's lithium resources will not be exported in their raw state. That is why the mining lease includes provisions for the establishment of a refinery and the provision of the use of other linkages to support local industries in Ghana. Distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen, in everything we have done with this mining lease, in all humility and modesty, the interest of the Ghanaian people has been paramount. It has been months of thorough negotiations and hard work in respect of this transaction. Nothing has been agreed to casually. Everything has been thought through and everything has been worked out and all the options have been considered. And what we've arrived at is in the ultimate interest of the good people of Ghana. The government of President Akufuado remains committed to the prudent, effective, and efficient management of the natural resources of our country, which have been entrusted to us, and doing so in the spirit of transparency, integrity, candor, and utmost good faith for the benefit of our nation. We remain focused on this goal and call on you all, nationals and residents of our country, to support government in this quest. With this, ladies and gentlemen, and I invite the Chief Executive Officer of the Minerals Commission, Mr. Martin Aisi, to present to you the terms benefit.
You are listening there to Do- uh, the Honorable uh, Minister for Lands and Natural Resources and MP for Damongo, Samuel Abdullah Jinapo, speaking about the lithium um, exploration that Ghana is planning to embark on, a contract that is being signed by DV Barari, an Australian subsidiary of Atlantic Lithium. That's how we end tonight's edition of Eyewitness News. I am Umaru Sanda Amado. I did this with Hawa Idrisu Mustafa. Production by Kobna Wilson, Beverly London, and Samuel Yafe. Technical support from Daniel Squashi. New media support from Daniel Anyoriga. Abugri. We'll be back tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening. Have a good night. City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959. And get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM, and on Twitter at City973. The city is alive on 97.3. Are you ready to party? On the 24th of December 2023 with the biggest all-white outdoor